So uh, you probably have already experienced this, but I um, am going to apologize for messing with your seating arrangements today. Uh, and I know where you sit in church matters a lot, right? Uh, I actually read an interesting article about this this week that talked about how positive it is to have like a regular seat in church, right? Because a regular spot in church begins to feel like almost your identity, your home. You get to know the people around you, right? And you can, you know, oh, he sings really loudly, but always a little bit out of tune. And she likes to take notes during the sermon. And he's just playing on his phone, pretending to take notes during the sermon. And you get to know all of those things, right? And it's really kind of beautiful. Um, But there there is a dark side to all that positiveness about having your own seat. Uh, And I'm curious if it's ever happened to any of you. It may have happened today. Um, I may have done it to you. Um, Have you ever been in church and had somebody come up and say, excuse me, um, you're in my seat? Yeah, anybody ever had that experience? Okay, Um, I moved some of you today, so those people definitely had it. Um, And and if you've ever had that experience as as a visitor or somebody new to a church, boy, that is deeply unpleasant, right? Because what it says is, hey, I'm an insider, and you're a newcomer. You're an outsider, and, and I'm happy for you to be here, but you need to know your role, right? You need to know your place. This is my place. Go find someplace else for yourself. Now, I, I haven't been a visitor in a church in a while, but I know that's um, one of the worst things that can happen. And as a pastor, like one of my great nightmares, right, is that somebody will come into our church and say, hey, I, I, you know, I'm really looking for Jesus today. And someone will come and say, hey, you know what? You're in my seat. Can you please move? Because it communicates this, this hierarchy, right, that I'm, I'm more important than you. I have more status than you. I'm an insider. You're an outsider, Now, Jesus' vision of the kingdom of heaven is always growing with new people, right? And we heard in the parable today, he keeps bringing people in and bringing people in and bringing people in. Um, And sometimes that's great, right? Sometimes we love being part of a growing, healthy church. Sometimes that's a little uncomfortable, right? Because I kind of like the church the way it is, and I like my friends in the church, and I'm happy to, you know, stay steady But if things really change, if lots of new people come, if we change how we do our worship or or if, you know, boy, I might not have the same experience that I'm used to having. And and I think part of the challenge of Jesus' vision of the kingdom of heaven is that it's a kingdom where we gain blessing by giving up privilege. We gain blessing by giving up privilege. And this is a really hard thing to wrap our heads around. In fact, in fairness to us, it was hard for the disciples to wrap their heads around it too. Uh, and there are a number of places where the disciples and Jesus have a conversation about this very idea. One of them happens in chapter 20, right after he tells this parable. The mother of James and John comes up and says, Hey, Jesus, can my sons sit at your right hand and your left hand in your glory? And Jesus is like, you did not listen to the parable this morning, did you? Um, and, and there's this conflict, right? Because they want to be first in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says again, whoever wants to be first must be last, and the last shall be first. So I want to suggest that Jesus in this parable um, is trying to give us uh, two ways of seeing the world, 
Okay, and, and one of those ways, one, one vision is, is what I would call a finite vision. Uh, it's, it's this idea of saying, boy, um, the more you get, the less I can have. It's a zero-sum game, and if you're winning, then I'm not winning. Right? In fact, if you're winning, I might be losing. And, and that's kind of the perspective of the, the first group of workers in the field, right? the first group of workers in the vineyard. Jesus makes a really interesting decision. I don't know if you noticed this, um, but Jesus uh, um, chooses to pay the workers in reverse order. Uh, and um, there's, there's no doubt this is intentional, right? So the, the landowner says, um, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. Now, just imagine for a minute if we reverse that. Okay, so if the, if the people that have been there all day long come up and, we, and the landowner pays them what they expected to get, they're happy, they go away. The next group comes up, they've been there for, you know, six hours instead of eight hours, and the landowner pays them more than they expected. They're really happy, they go away, right? The next group comes, they get paid more than expected, everybody's happy, right? Why in the world does he pay the last people first and the first people last? It does seem a little unfair, doesn't it? I mean, if you work eight hours and I work one hour, I mean, I, I really just work from nine to 11 on Sunday mornings, so um, I, I do work one hour a week, but if, if, you, if you work eight hours and I work one hour, does it seem fair that we get paid the same? Uh, and, and, and what the, the workers in the vineyard are doing is they're saying, hey, you know what? There's a finite view of the world, right? The, the more you win, the less I win. Uh, and and I got to compare my life to yours, my success to yours. Uh, there's an old skit um, that was used in a lot of youth groups about Coke, uh, as in the soda, and uh, this idea of, of comparing the gifts of God. I want to play that for you. Hey, guys, I got you each a gift. No way, Jesus, why? Awesome. Well, I just love you guys, so I wanted to get you something. Oh, wow. that's so nice. Laura, you first. Oh, this is so exciting. Oh, will you look at this, a little eight-ounce can of Coke? This is perfect for me. I looked everywhere to find a gift for you, and this just seemed to fit. I love it. Drew? Yeah. Your turn. All right. <laughs> no way, Jesus. Seriously? Oh, yeah. 20 ounces of Coke? Yeah, baby. Woo! This is awesome. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much. You're welcome. Laura, we got to go show Richard our gifts. Come on. Okay. Hey, Laura? Is there a problem? No. I mean, well... Yeah, kind of, you know, it's just that every time you give people gifts, you always give everyone else more than you give me. What do you mean? I mean, like, I open my gift and, oh, cute, eight ounces, and then Drew opens his gift and, hello, 20 ounces. Oh, I know what you mean. Well, that gift is for Drew. Well, that's what I want. Uh, go get it for me. Okay, if that's what you want. Yeah. I got a liter. I know it's one liter of God's sweet goodness. Jesus gave it to me. He did? Yes. Oh. Okay, you know what? You're going to meet somebody with a bigger bottle, and you are going to be so mad. Laura, check it out. I got an upgrade. Coke 3.0. That is awesome. I know. Well, isn't that just great? Yeah. Hey, Jesus, you rock. Yeah. Thanks, what Drew. What is wrong with you? Why are you holding back your best from me? I gave you my best. Don't you see what's happening here? You're letting everyone else's gifts steal your joy. 
No, Jesus, you are stealing my joy by giving everyone else more than you give me. Laura, I picked this gift out for you. That's what I wanted you to see. I don't care. Until you can look past this, all you're going to see is a can of Coke. I love that moment at the end where he holds up the can of Coke and you can't quite see Jesus anymore because all you can see is the soda. Uh, I think as much as we'd like to deny it, it's really hard to avoid living with this kind of finite comparison worldview, right? Yeah, God, it's, it's great that, um, you know, I, I, I've got this, this wonderful spouse, but boy, I look at their marriage, it just seems so much better than mine. Yeah, God, it's, I appreciate having my own home, but look at their home. Look how incredible that is. God, I, I can't find a job, and all of my friends are working, and why can't I find something? Oh, I found a job, but it's not paying, but theirs is paying. Uh, God, how come I didn't get the promotion? Okay, I got a promotion, but they got a bigger promotion. And, and we just compare and compare and compare as though uh, if you win, I lose. By the way, this is what's going on with Jonah. Uh, Jonah is reluctant to go on the mission that God assigns him because in that moment, Jonah doesn't want God to forgive Nineveh. He doesn't want God to forgive the Assyrian Empire. He wants him to smite them, right? And he's worried that God might forgive them. And he says, no, no, no. God's forgiveness is for me and my people. We want forgiveness, but God, they need your justice. God, if, if you would just please be just with them and forgiving with us, that would be great. Um, because they are not like us, right? And their sins are not like our sins. And, and they, are, they are deserving of some wrath, right? And, and I think this, this worldview is just so easy for us to fall into. Uh, Jesus says, are you envious because I am generous? And the, the literal translation of the Greek there, it doesn't say envious. He says, is your eye evil? That's really interesting, right? Is your eye evil? Is the way that you see the world so warped by this idea that you have to compare yourself to others, that if someone else wins, you lose, that everything that enters your life and all the goodness and blessing that God tries to give you feels inadequate because you can find somebody else with more. And, and, and um, by the way, I think one of the great challenges for the church, right, is um, are we tempted sometimes to say, boy, I just like who I've got here already and the insiders that are here and the way we've always done things and I don't want to change, I don't want to do new stuff because, boy, I just like it the way it is, right? Um, and if we change, it might mean that I lose something. Is your eye evil? Is the way you see the world rooted in a win-lose sort of worldview? Uh, the, the other option, really simply, um, is, is an infinite one. An infinite in the sense of it's the way God sees the world. An infinite in the sense that it says, hey, when you are blessed, it brings me joy. Right? When you are blessed, I win because I want to see more people blessed. Uh, it's an infinite perspective that the landowner has in the vineyard. Right? The landowner um, 
So let's pause for a minute. Um, if you are a day laborer, maybe you've had the experience of being a day laborer in, in our culture, but if you're a day laborer in the culture of ancient Israel in the time of Jesus, and you are literally going out to look for work every day, then you are living hand to mouth. It means if you don't get paid today, your family doesn't eat today. Right? However many kids you have, um, your wife, yourself, like, they are dependent on you finding work. So when the owner of the vineyard goes out and he gets that first group of workers and he says, hey, I'll pay you the usual daily wage, that is an awesome thing for them. What that means is today your families get to eat. Today your families get to have enough. So they go and they work uh, in the vineyard and the, the vineyard owner goes out and he, and he invites other people in throughout the course of the day and he never says to them uh, what he's going to pay them. He just says, you know, well, I'll pay you what's fair. And if you're starting work at 9 a.m. or 12 p.m. or 3 p.m. or 5 p.m., you're assuming, okay, I'm going to get a portion of the daily wage, right? So if I make, you know, 20 bucks, uh, actually the, in most of the world today, I think it's $2 a day is sort of the average um, for like 2 billion people. So I'm going to make 2 bucks a day, so um, maybe I'm going to make 50 cents because I only worked one-fourth of the time. And then when the landowner pays everybody, right, he pays them in reverse order because he wants everyone to see what he's going to do. Right? And, and, and I think there is this hope with that first group of workers that he would say, hey, you guys have been with me the longest, right? You guys grew up in church. You guys have been coming to church since you were kids. You guys have been memorizing the, memorizing the Bible since you were kids. You've always been here. You helped found the church. Uh, I know you're going to be excited about my generosity to others. I know that you're going to be overjoyed to hear that this guy who only had the ability to work for one hour today isn't going to just get one-eighth of the money he needs to feed his family today. He's going to get to feed his kids and his wife and everybody today because I'm going to be more generous than he expected. And, and the landowner is thinking, that's going to bring you joy, right? That that's the best thing you can imagine, that, the, that this guy is going to bless these people that didn't deserve it. And so we get this dramatically different perspective, right? The, the, the workers who come in who say, boy, there's only but so much and I should get paid more. And then you get the, the landowner who says, isn't it awesome how generous I get to be? Aren't you excited? about my blessing of these other people? Doesn't it bring you joy to know that they have more than enough? I, um, one of my favorite people and one of my favorite stories uh, about one of my favorite people comes from Shane Claiborne's book, The Irresistible Revolution. And Claiborne was um, in Calcutta with Mother Teresa for a while, and um, he tells a lot of stories about his time with her. And one of the stories that just comes back to me again and again. He says um, that they had a time of daily prayer every day, and when they would gather for prayer, Mother Teresa always took off her shoes to pray. And he said over time, he started noticing that her feet were like knobby and disformed. I don't know why he's staring at her feet when he's supposed to be praying, by the way, but anyway. Um, and, and so finally, he asked somebody who'd been there longer than him, he said, what's, what's wrong with Mother Teresa's feet? And the guy said, well, um, everything that the sisters have here, they have as a donation. 
everything, including the shoes. And so whenever a donation of shoes comes in, um, Mother Teresa is always the first one into that room, and she goes through all the shoes, and she takes the worst pair for herself. And after years and decades of wearing substandard shoes, her, her feet have been significantly damaged. And Shane said, what would the world be like if the people with privilege competed for the worst pair of shoes? What would the world be like if, if the insiders saw that their greatest privilege wasn't to accumulate blessings for themselves, but to, to give blessings to others at the expense of their own privilege? This is what God calls Jonah to do, right? God calls Jonah to go and, and, and be part of His heart for the world and, and work redemption and forgiveness into the lives of people who don't deserve it, um, not because there's a limited amount of forgiveness, but because He wants Jonah to share His heart for the lost. God says, um, should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons? Yeah, Jonah, I get it. Like, I, I get that your country is under threat from their country. And I get that they have done horrible things in their lives. By the way, Jonah, so have you. Don't you remember how the story began? Don't you remember ignoring my commandment and fleeing and risking the lives of all the sailors on your ship and, and being in a fish for three days because you wouldn't obey me? Don't you remember how I forgave you for all of that and allowed you to be involved in my work and ministry again? Now I want you to have the same heart for the lost that I have for you. Now I want you to want blessing for them, even if it comes at your expense, because that's what my kingdom is all about. We are um, this crazy community uh, that believes the more privilege we lose, the more blessing we accumulate. And, and part of the work of the kingdom of God is to, to share this infinite worldview, right? That, that I am blessed when you are blessed, even if it comes at my expense. One of the things that I'm really excited about that we're beginning on Tuesday is a new ministry called Celebrate Recovery. Uh, and you've heard about it a number of times. Celebrate Recovery is a Christian 12-step program. So it um, uses the same 12 steps that something like AA would use, um, but it's very explicitly rooted in, in the idea that Jesus is the source of recovery. Jesus is the source of wholeness in our lives. And so it's very Christ-centric. And it's not uh, unique to any particular problem, right? So they, they use the language, if you have a hurt, a hang-up, or a habit, uh, then you're welcome to come and find recovery in that. So maybe you struggle with clinical depression, or maybe you're dealing with trauma in your past, or maybe uh, you have an addiction of some kind you can't overcome, whatever it might be, uh, Celebrate Recovery is designed uh, to, to help those people find Christ and find recovery in Christ. And I know there will be a lot of people that are already inside our community that'll be there, and that's awesome, and I'm so excited about that. But I got to tell you, in my heart of hearts, um, I hope that we have some people that come to us because of this ministry, some people that um, are, are experiencing a life of brokenness who come here 
to find that wholeness. And I would expect that some of those folks might make us uncomfortable. It's great to have somebody come in who's recovered from their alcoholism and has been sober for 20 years. It's tough to have somebody come in who's a heroin addict who's still using. Um, Boy, I would love to have that kind of discomfort. Boy, I would love to look around and say, hey, here are some people that are that are broken in ways um, that our world might say are not socially acceptable. Because I believe that every one of us was broken when we came here. Right? Whether we're whole now or not, our story is one of God's grace working through Jesus Christ in our life. Uh, and so we have got to be a place where those people can come and experience the same grace that we did. And I want to be a church and a community where there are no insiders, right? Where those who've been here the longest recognize that they have the most opportunity to give away their privilege to those who are the newest. That those who know Christ the most have the privilege to say, hey, I want you to know Jesus more, whatever it takes for me. I'm willing to give up um, what I have been given so that you can come to know Him more because nothing brings me more joy uh, than the things that bring God joy. Uh, Mother Teresa has a quote that I love um, that gets, I think, to the heart of this way of viewing the world. Uh, She says, people are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have, and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. No comparison, no insiders, no outsiders, no rank, no enemies, not a race to the top, but this incredible privilege to find our way to the bottom, to take off our outer garments, to wrap a towel around our waist, and to wash the feet of those around us. That's what the kingdom of heaven is all about. That's what it means to be a kingdom with no insiders. That's the example of Jesus. So let's go and do likewise. Thanks be to Him. Amen.